What's up, everyone? Welcome back to The Colin and Samir Show. Today on the show, we are joined by Donald De La Haye, aka Destroying on YouTube. With over 5 million subscribers and 30 plus million views per month, Destroying is someone who is absolutely reinventing and revolutionizing how we watch sports, specifically football. The standout series on his channel is without a doubt his one-on-ones. Hundreds and as you'll hear, sometimes thousands of players will show up at these events and go head to head to see who can catch the ball or swat it away. And many times there's cash prizes upwards of $10,000 on the line for the overall winner of the day. These videos have captured the attention of major brands like Neutrogena, but also sports leagues like the XFL and the NFL, both of which D is partnered with. In this episode, we not only get into his insanely profitable business, the recipe for his one-on-one series, but also into his origin story. He has a really unique story that goes all the way back to him playing college football at the University of Central Florida as a kicker. Now, this is before all of the NIL changes where college players were not allowed to monetize their name, image, and likeness. At the time, D had a YouTube channel, And that led to a lot of complications for him, which you'll hear about. And ultimately, he had to decide between continuing to be a college athlete with a scholarship or a YouTube creator. If you're listening and you're a creator who doesn't make sports videos, if you don't care about sports at all, he shares a ton of advice that's super valuable for creators of all kinds about building a business on YouTube. So without further ado, here's our episode with Donald De La Haye, aka Destroying. I've been watching your channel for a while. I've been watching your channel for a while because Colin and I come from the world of sports media. Yeah. We, we made a video about you even. A, a couple of years ago, yeah. yeah. Two, three years ago. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I saw it. No, no one saw it. We'll show it to you later. I think I saw it. The one thing that's been so interesting is watching your one-on-ones. Mm-hmm. The, those videos push like... 8, 10, 14 million views. Yeah. What's amazing to me is that there's like serious filmmaking mm-hmm. involved in making those, right? They don't yeah. really follow the same rules as other YouTube videos right now. Fast-paced intros, yeah. you know, like tons of 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 text flying at you. <laughs> like it's it doesn't follow those same rules. Yeah. And we have people in our office who don't watch sports who watch them. Man, that's amazing. <laughs> and I wanted to ask you, why do you think those are connecting with such big audiences? Obviously the competition is exciting enough. People love football. Football is like the number one sport in the whole country. So just, we take the most action-packed pieces of it, the wide receiver and DB competition, the smack talk, and there's $10,000 on the line. A lot of these guys are risking their bodies and risking a lot of things just to win this competition. It resonates. People could feel that through the screen. People could feel that through the camera. And like, I don't know, man, people love football. People love the action. It almost reminds me of boxing. Yeah. Where like you see two guys in a ring, it's universal storytelling. You turn the sound off and you can understand mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Like if a boxing match was on right now and it's on yeah, mute, yeah, you know. we got yeah, it. Yeah. It's a one guy's in there, the other guy's in there, one of them's going to win. Yeah. One of them's going to beat the other one up. But it takes a really long time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think someone, I saw someone post about this, that a full length football game, the total amount of football that's played uh, is like 11 minutes, right? I saw that post, yeah. 11 minutes of commercials and a lot of stoppage yeah. and a lot of... So you take the world of sports entertainment that used to, we used to have not many choices for entertainment, right? We would turn on, you know, ESPN and, and watch a game and it was two, two and a half hours mm-hmm. long. And what was the other choice? Read a book, <laughs> you know, or go yeah, outside. Yeah. Like, and these games, even they weren't originally built for TV. Yeah. yeah. Football is old. 
Like yeah, the original right. model yeah. of a football game is because yeah. there was nothing going yeah. on and you had to go and watch <laughs> yeah. it in person. And the other issue is they're, they're wearing helmets. Mm-hmm. So it's, you can't see facial expressions. And when I watch your one-on-ones, it's like you have this, okay, one versus the other. In the matter of five seconds, I'm going to know who's, who's yeah. the best out of them mm-hmm. two. And then I'm going to get connected to them. And what's great is when one of them, you know, like sick juke or something happens, like they catch a ball, the whole crowd erupts. So you get the cues of what matters. Right? Like what, what, what am I supposed to be excited about? Okay. And almost like in dude, perfect videos, when they hit a trick shot, they all go crazy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Whatever people come out and see, that's what they're going to get on YouTube. Yeah. Like one day I'd love for you guys to come to watch the one-on-ones. Oh dude, I would love to come. Like I'll compete. Even in person, it's a whole different experience, but it's all tied together in the edit. Well, that's another special thing about not only sports media, but what you've done is that um, there's aspiration for me to be there. Mm-hmm. And I actually can be there. Yeah. Like today, you're flying to Chicago. Chicago. Yeah, we got one-on-ones coming up this weekend. And like people can, there's going to be, I mean, how many people are going to be there? This one, ah, they've been asking for me in Chicago for a long time. And the amount of mentions I'm getting and yeah. story mm-hmm. research and everything, I say at, at least a thousand. A thousand people at least to a thousand. show up. Yeah. Is, that is so incredibly hard, yeah. first of all, to get a thousand people to show up to something. But the fact that there's actually a physical manifestation that you can attend, like if yeah. I'm a fan of your one-on-ones, I can actually come out you and You come meet me. It. You could see me right That's there. Crazy. You could me yeah. up and then you could see the thing being filmed. And then after you go on YouTube and watch it, like, oh, I was there. I remember that That's moment. a part of that, this, like, uh, this recipe that I think is really explosive for you that there is, it's something physical that's happening mm-hmm. that then like a thousand people are experiencing it physically and then- Millions 10 are, million yeah. people are experiencing it digitally. Yeah. And then out of those people, they can come to yeah. the next, fi- it's like a- It's like a, yeah, it's, it's a, a feedback little loop. cycle, yeah. And you're not filming household names. I yeah, think that's really people. powerful. Like a, a lot of creators probably think, oh, I need access to the best player in the NFL. Yeah. I need to film with people who are already known and mm-hmm. people want to watch them. But what's cool is that you're filming people like you, like the yeah. people that love the sport, that want to come out, who don't actually really care if there's cameras yeah. out there. They just happen <laughs> to be there. Yeah. And that's what we found when when we were running our channel that was all about lacrosse. Our best videos were about high school kids mm-hmm. because that was who was watching. Like the that was the audience, yeah. you know, yeah. exactly. It's relatable to them. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but I, I really don't collab that much with people. I found mm-hmm. it more valuable to get those people that nobody really knows yeah. or like maybe an athlete rather than like a big YouTuber or something mm-hmm. like yeah. that. So. I don't know. Again, it just comes back to that authenticity and relatability. A lot yeah. of people feel like they could be in that place. So it, it means a lot more to them. You've landed in this place where you are revolutionizing how we watch sports. Yeah. You're not yeah. making YouTube videos. You're like changing the way we engage with sports. Dang, when you guys say it like that, <laughs> is that, is that, is that <laughs> how good. you feel? Do you yeah. feel like when you are going out, you're working, you've been doing this for a while. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that every day when you wake up? That To be honest, man, no. I just kind of live in a moment, man. I just... I'm focused on giving back to the community. That's another thing about these one-on-ones that is so empowering is going out to communities, underserved communities. And guys are competing for life-changing money. Not only are they getting a platform, Mm. getting noticed, Mm -hmm. but who knows what that money's going to help them for. Their parents might be sick. They might not be backed up on rent Mm -hmm. or something like that. So definitely that community impact is huge. And uh, It's also a level of exposure, right? Yeah. Guys have gotten our best receiver. He comes to all the one-on-ones. He's won six of them. And now he got a contract in the XFL and the guy's the number one receiver in the whole league. So he's most likely going to go to the NFL. That's crazy. And story told around him too in in your most recent videos. That's what I think is crazy is that 
it's like a reality TV show playing out in real yeah. time. Like yeah. American Idol, right? They go all <laughs> over the country. Yeah. They find who's the best. Yeah. They bring them together for exposure and money and a prize. And we all follow along. Yeah. And like you're building that on YouTube. I've never really seen anything like mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. you know? I think what's cool is like in the times we've talked, like you, we were at an event together in the beginning of this year. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching you diligently take notes yeah. during the event. <laughs> I was locked in. <laughs> and it was something that I was like, you know, I was just looking at the way, how attentive you were to all the sessions, what you were pulling away. And that's when we kind of started chatting. Yeah. Um, the event was was put on by Spotter. And it was like this, uh, th- these conversations that we had where I recognized like the type of entrepreneur you are. And I was curious if you could kind of explain to us, like, what is the business of destroying? Man, the business of destroying has a lot of, a lot of moving parts. Right now, I'm really focused on just streamlining my team and making sure everybody's in the right positions, making sure everyone's performing to their strengths and doing the things that they're best at. My team's very slim. I don't operate big. A lot of these other YouTubers and creators, they have like, Hundred people teams. I don't yeah. know how big you guys' teams. No shot. <laughs> but <laughs> probably have like not six people. Yeah, like yeah. six or seven people max. You know. Yeah. Everyone's operating. Everyone's happy. Um, I got two camera guys. Well, three. One we just moved into kind of a producer role, figuring out all the logistics, the things, booking flights, travel, hybrid assistant type of thing. Mm-hmm. I got my right hand guy, Mike Swift. Shout out to him. He's like a whole conversation point in this interview if we want to get into that. Like, yeah, absolutely. He came into my life and basically saved me from a terrible position I was in business-wise. Mm. Wasn't too educated, didn't know much about what I was doing. I was just focused on creating and I allowed people to kind of come into my life that maybe weren't experienced enough to kind mm. of drive my ship. So mm. Mike's kind of saved me out of that. Um, and he's just a genius, man. He's His thinking is forward. He's always thinking about the goods, bads that could come out of things, trying to put me in the right positions. Uh, like I said, it's a whole <laughs> conversation. Ask, like, what did he help you solve? Man, so back in the days, I just had like, I don't know, I don't want to talk bad about anyone, but management that wasn't the best experienced and they brought in people that weren't really fitting to my team. Like I had a an accountant that was getting paid like eight grand a month and wow. it mm-hmm. wasn't really an accountant. Didn't even have a degree in accounting, none yeah. of that. They were just mm. paying payroll and things like that. Um, we're gonna sign a lease on a gym and do a whole build out. Nobody had any idea on what it really takes to build out a gym. Nobody had any idea about the plumbing, the build out, the costs, like none of that. And we we're about to sign a five year lease. Mm. And obviously it was all gonna come out of my pocket. So he kind of saved me right before I signed that paper. And um, I don't know, it's just helped me make the right decisions. You know, management is is a very hard thing, I yeah. think, in our industry because um what what happens with creators is like you are the surface for opportunity. Mm-hmm. Like you're putting out the YouTube videos. If you look even three years ago at your email inbox, <laughs> yeah. Like you, you put a dollar amount on what's coming into your email inbox, it's yeah. gonna be extremely yeah. high. Mm-hmm. Now you th- you think about the opportunity to take 15% of that. Someone can mm-hmm. build a six-figure career yeah. mm-hmm. off of just responding to the emails in your inbox. 100%. And if you select someone who's you know, too excited about that, they're going to say yes to mm-hmm. everything, mm-hmm. right? And they just want to get paid at the end of the mm-hmm. day. Yeah, because- They're thinking short-term. Mm-hmm. Because also, they say yes to a deal. They collect their 15%. You got to go me, do it. I got to execute yeah. you, that. So you, it's, you yeah. got to go do it. And you got to deal with the repercussions of it. If Let's I say don't it's a do bad it. deal. Mm-hmm. Nobody likes it. It looks bad on your still, brand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they, they still collected their 15%, right? The crazy thing about my manager too is like right as I was going through that kind of shift in management, 
that was about a year and a half, two years ago. Um, I told him like, bro, you've helped me so much. Will you be my manager? Like, mm -hmm. I feel comfortable with you. I feel like you do a great job at it. He's like, you know, I could sign up for a great payday right now, but I'm going to forfeit that. And I'm going to tell you, no, I'm still going to be your right hand guy. I'm still going to navigate through things with you. But I feel like there's people that will be better at this wow. hmm. and people that know a lot more than this. I want to learn and sit back and kind of still see and evaluate things. And he sat back for like a year and a half. We just recently kind of locked wow. things in. Wow. So think about the yeah. trust that that builds. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's crazy. Big. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's so important as a creator to surround yourself with people that, um, you can trust. And that's probably one of the hardest things mm -hmm. to do is build a team, um, especially on the business side, because it all happens all at once. Yeah. Right. Like it, everything kind of, I mean, it's fast. Bro. It, it happens fast. You know, it's like a matter of two years mm -hmm. or something typically for creators where it goes from like, I'm making, I'm uploading YouTube videos to like, whoa, I'm running, <laughs> a, yeah, yeah, I'm running like a multi-million dollar yeah. media company. And what just happened? Yeah. And there's no one else you can really look at because no one's doing. No what one's you've doing done. it exactly. Yeah. No one's no yeah. one's kind of in this hybrid sports slash creator space. So, well, football. There's a lot of sports creators. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Is is the business primarily based on advertising, sponsorship deals? I know right you now, also yeah. have a clothing line. Right now it is. So right now the main source of revenue is sponsorships um, on the channel. They make up a good chunk of change. Yeah. Just sec ad reads and different things like that, partnerships yeah. with companies, then obviously the ad revenue from YouTube itself is pretty significant as well. Yeah. The merch, the merch is all right, but I've found it's, it's, it's weird with my demographic because the conversion rates aren't the best, I say. Mm. Like you think I have 5 million subscribers, yeah, I could yeah. sell 5 million shirts, but yeah. the harsh reality is not that easy. Yeah. So with the merch, I've kind of, I'm kind of rebranding right now. I had my 11 brand. Yep. I think we're going to shift into something else. I feel like I wasn't as passionate or as bought into the brand as I should have been. So we're trying something new. You know, it's yep. all about experimenting and trying things. Um, I'm starting to branch out into different avenues of things too. I feel like I know the clout is not going to last forever. So a lot of these deals that I'm signing, whether it's, you know, advertisers or whatever it is, I try to get a little bit of equity or I try to get mm -hmm. something ownership. Yeah. At the end of the day, like I said, I'm not going to be on top forever. My videos, I'd love for them. Knock on wood. I yeah. love for them to do millions and millions of views forever, but it's not going to happen. So I want to get some ownership. I want to diversify my investments. Um, get into real estate. I just bought my second home. Hopefully I could get a couple more, you know, yeah. get some rental income, things like that. So That's dope. I, don't know, I just want to diversify, man. Is, is the XFL partnership a unique one? Yeah, like, it is that really, a little bit different? It, it really is because obviously the brand wants to grow. And I don't mean to toot my own horn, but I feel like I'm the leading football creator in the space. Yeah. So they kind of just let me do whatever I want. They have put me on ESPN as like a sideline broadcaster. Like they've let me come out, warm up with the team and things like that. Yeah. They even offered me to play, but I feel like I wasn't ready at the time. Mm -hmm. And I've kind of just had this new awakening that I do want to play again. Really? So, yeah, yeah. So. I can't tell sometimes when you post about that, if you're being yeah. real I know. Or not, you it's, know? It's, it's weird because... It's like, I'm so used to this life and I'm so used to the comfortability and yeah. the freedom. And I know going back into the system of football, you gotta be at the meetings, you gotta be at yeah, the practices, like full, you gotta, mm -hmm. it's a full-time job, thing. it's yeah. a full-time job. And I feel like I have a little bit of a sour taste because of the CFL experience I had yeah. too. It wasn't necessarily the best. And I know how football could be. I played college football for a few years, high school ball and all that. So, but now I feel like I won't be fulfilled in life until I make a kick in the NFL. So, really? Yeah. 
That's dope. Yeah. Damn, that's a cool, that's cool. goal. Yeah. Even yeah. for yeah. people who watch you. Yeah. You know, yeah. to have that as a North Star. Of, yeah. Now there's a new narrative that as I'm watching yeah. your video, it's I'm, going like, forward, I'm like, yeah. okay, yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe that'll happen as I'm watching. And I feel like it's the right timing too. Like along the way, I've, I've learned a lot of things. I made a lot of connections and now I feel like I could put all those together and pull the right strings to make the right calls and yeah. maybe see myself in the league one day. You know, it kind of reminds me of like uh, Logan Paul and WWE mm -hmm. right now. Like mm -hmm. I know he's also involved in consulting a bit on the media and the marketing mm -hmm. side because sports have changed. Like it's, infinitely more enjoyable to scroll your phone and watch the highlights yeah. from a game <laughs> yeah. than it is to sit for, yeah. for a lot of games, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's more fun to, to watch it on Twitter and see the commentary and see, it's like the dynamic has completely changed of how people are consuming sports, why they're consuming sports, the type of characters they're connected to, yeah. right? Like you could be walking down the street next to an NFL Super Bowl winning O-lineman <laughs> a Hall of Famer. Hall yeah. of Famer. You won't and, know. And no one no will know who he is. Yeah. Yeah. They would know you. Mm -hmm. Right? And that's that's like that dynamic has changed. It's like, crazy because I got an interesting story that relates to that. I remember a while back when I collabed with Antonio Brown. Yeah. Uh, we just got done at the field. We're wrapping up. He has his Lambo truck. He has like three camera guys yeah, with yeah, big yeah. over shoulder yeah. cameras, all this stuff. I got my one shooter and myself in a little Toyota rental <laughs> that I had at the time. We hop the fence and he's getting his car. I'm getting mine, put my stuff away. And like six, seven kids roll up on bikes and they're passing by and they see me like, oh, what? Destroying. Oh my God, bro. Can I get a pick? Can I get a pick? And like they were in such shock to see me. I'm like, bro, Antonio Brown is right <laughs> here, like next to me. They didn't yeah, pay yeah. him any attention at first, like nothing like that. Like they were so interested in me. So I, I, don't know, I thought that was very interesting. It's so true though, that like storytelling is what matters. You look at Formula One, like Drive to Survive, yeah. what's happened on Netflix. Like it has changed that sport yeah. in America because of the characters. Like those guys yeah. wear helmets too, but the access to stories is what's yeah. brought like millions of fans to that yeah. sport. And I feel like that's the opportunity with you in the XFL right now. Telling a lot of guys stories. Yeah, we're, actually, yeah. we're actually going to... Uh, Next weekend, we're heading out to St. Louis to watch their game. I don't know if you guys are familiar with A.J. McCarron, but he played in the yeah, NFL. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, he was well, a quarterback in the NFL. played for Alabama. Alabama. Yeah. yeah. Now he's in the XFL. He actually turned down like a, a pretty sizable contract just so he could play in the XFL and so his son could watch all his games. So going to tap in with him, talk to him a little bit, tell a story yeah. a bit. And, you know. That's what's crazy is that you are, you're destroying, right? Your mm -hmm. character in your videos mm -hmm. on the internet in the sports landscape in the general entertainment landscape you are a character in mm -hmm. that world right plus you have a sports network mm -hmm. where you can put someone on right yeah. AJ McCarron yeah. <laughs> can is it's a big deal for him to be featured on your channel so yeah. you're also like the network yeah. and then you're also the producer and like one of the the most interesting things i've seen in your content uh, recently is your voiceover yeah like, trying, to, trying to get into that a little but bit. But the you know? fact that your voiceover feels official and that when you're saying someone's name, I have a different relationship mm -hmm. with it than if it was some other voice, like, yeah. like Hard Knocks or something, yeah. right? Welcome to Seattle, Washington, home of the Seattle Sea Dragons and a receiver core that has caught the attention of the entire XFL. But you're kind of recreating that feeling for this new generation. Yeah, I do. I do eventually want to create a sports network. And I feel like that's kind of what I'm shifting to. Like I said, there's so many stories and so many yeah. characters within the sport. And I have this amazing platform that can amplify those stories. So, But you have a sports network. Yeah. I mean, yeah. how many people watch a month? Uh, I don't know, probably 30 million. 30, so you have a sports network that 30 million <laughs> yeah. people watch a yeah. month, right? Yeah. Like, 
Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, that is true. But I, I, like I said, I, I just don't want it to be so dependent on me all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. always want to be the star of the show. Totally. There's so many stories, so many different people. So for example, that piece we did on, on JPZ and yeah. the XFL, mm-hmm. I wasn't in it too much. I was still tied in yeah. through the voiceover and different things like that. But eventually I do want to get into yeah. stuff like that. Where, where do you see the destroying brand expanding now? Man, there's, this is always such a tricky question because there's so many avenues and so many things I could do. I'd like to be on TV. I'd like to do the ESPN stuff. I'd like to create my own network of like new age culture media. Um, obviously just business stuff that has nothing to do with online and social media. Um, I don't know, just creating platforms for others that one-on-ones could turn into a show that travels yeah. around, people buy tickets to and come to. Mm-hmm. I'm building a seven-on-seven football team that is gonna mentor a lot of these kids, cool. teach them how to be men, teach them financial literacy, teach them how to navigate the NIL space and different things like that. Just teach them things that'll help them have a better life. Capture, document all that, maybe make a Netflix series out of it. Mm-hmm. There's, I've, I've definitely talked to some people about creating something like that. Obviously I'd like to get in it in my own way, like mm-hmm. with the JPZ story, telling yep. about him and stuff, but we're trying to figure out a way to make it happen without giving away like just the results. Yeah. Mm. And the thing is, we do all these events and maybe it'll take a little more planning, but we do all these events. We show up Friday, if it happens Saturday and we kind of leave Sunday. So I know it'll take more time, mm. more lead way, yeah, yeah, more yeah. sit there, interview the guys and things like yeah. that. So totally. That will change your job if yeah. you choose to do yeah. that. Yeah. 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 I mean, we're going to get there, though. We're going to yeah, get yeah. there. I'm always about making things bigger and better. And I think that's definitely a path I want to take. Well, if you need help, let us know. Yeah. Hey, man, let me know. Let me know. Let me know. And then we can make something happen, man. So we com- we compare uh, creators to athletes a lot. And we also talk about like to make it on YouTube is, is kind of similar to like making it in the league. Mm -hmm. Like there's only a, there's there's a a finite amount of people who make it, right? Like really make it. Um, do you think like, as you enter into whether it's YouTube or, you know, early stage, um, college athlete, Mm -hmm. like whenever you're starting your, your kind of personal brand is making it, you immediately start to get brand opportunities. Do you think there's risks in taking some of those early, brand deals. Cause I, I think yeah. for you, like your brand is very premium. Yeah. Like when I watch your stuff, it feels premium. The brands yeah. you work with are premium and you have this yeah. feel to you, like the, the your brand is high end mm-hmm. um, and that attracts more high end brands. Right. And, and more of a high end, just overarching yeah. narrative. I, I do think, like you said, it's tied to the narrative. What do you want your narrative to be? Mm. Cause these brands that you're putting in front of your fans and your audience, if you're just starting, like people are going to kind of relate that to you. Yes. So you want it to be something that, you know, you're, you care about something mm-hmm. that is positive, something that will help your story, your narrative, and not just some bullshit for a check, you know? Yeah. And that's, uh, I don't know if everyone has the grasp on that, but yeah. Uh, my advice is to make it something that aligns with you and your brand and where you want to go. Yeah. And something that I think people like organically want to ask about. Yeah. Like I'm looking at you and I'm like, how's your skin so nice? Yeah. <laughs> hey. Neutrogena. 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 I love that Appreciate it, man. It was so interesting. It was like, this guy's a renaissance man. Like he can do anything. Like he's making a documentary about this team. Yeah. He's also on the sidelines. Okay. Now we have an ad and he's the star. Yeah. In the ad. <laughs> like, yeah, this, we, is like, see, this is the full on future. Like, me and my team have fun with the brand deals. Obviously yeah. like you're getting paid a lot of money yeah. for like a 30, 45 thing ad spot in your video. Might as well make the most of it. You know, yeah. um, it's also the I business, so you yeah. might as well like really focus yeah, on it because really. that's the mm-hmm. actual business. Yeah. You know? And the more you put into it, 
brands take notice of that. Mm-hmm. For sure. Now yeah. we have brands calling like, bro, like the skits you do are great. Do you, can you do something like that for yeah. our brand? Because, you know, people just do the ad every day. Hey, guys, I just bought this Neutrogena product yeah, and yeah. this is yeah. That's boring. People are going to skip past that. But again, it's like you're the network. So like the same way that there's a 30, if there was a really good yeah. 30 second commercial on ESPN, mm-hmm. you would remember you remember it. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like you are now everything. You're the yeah. production company, the network, the talent. Yeah. It's so interesting. It's yeah. the same way that like, you know, um, the, it, people talk about in sports that it's, it's so interesting that Sports Illustrated didn't make ESPN, mm. right? They were the biggest sports media. They had an opportunity to step yeah. into television, but they were like, we're a magazine. Why would we step into television? <laughs> you know? I bet they're kicking themselves now. ESPN yeah. comes in and then ESPN was late to the social party too. Yeah. You know, now they got Omar and they're like, mm-hmm. they're good with social, but like they were late and they can't do what you do. So a lot of these big brands that, that you think have so much money and resources, but they can't. For example, yeah. the NFL, love them to death. They're a partner of mine. But the reason they brought me in is because they want to relate to the younger audience. Yeah. They don't know how to do that. They don't know how to bridge that gap. They started putting games on Nickelodeon with slime <laughs> right, and with stuff. Slime, and yeah. like, no offense, but what is that doing? Right. Yeah. A little, a little corny. A little but kitschy, yeah. Yeah. So they bring in guys like me to create more excitement and, and, you know, more accessibility to the sport and kind of bridge that gap between yeah. the older people and the younger people in the sport. I think athletes need to think about, you know, they they build teams. They need to probably start adding a layer of like a head storyteller. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like yeah. someone who's a, a, it could be an outside agency or something. I'm sure there's, there's agencies, yeah. obviously marketing agencies that work with athletes, but there's a new form of storytelling that exists that I think it's very hard for the legacy sports media folks to understand you know, like to, for someone to replicate what you did is near impossible because they would sit in a conference room and try and it wouldn't work. dissect it. It wouldn't but work. But you were actually just showing up to the field and just being like, making it happen. Just yeah. making it. Yeah. yeah. And that, like, even when you talk about AB, like he had a bunch of camera guys with him. It's like, there's a different, mm-hmm. there's a different feel to like, when you reduce all the friction down to just like, you knew how to edit, yeah. you had the camera. And now to, to apply that to athletes isn't easy. Yeah. Um, I will say they're getting better. They're starting to realize that. And like a lot of guys are creating channels like Justin Jefferson. We collabed on a video way back then. And he started his channel off of that. Cam Newton. Now he's doing his own thing. Mm -hmm. But his first videos were kind of collabing with me and he blew up off of that. And um, I don't know. I feel like they're starting to figure it out. Like, for example, again, the first time I showed up to work with Cam Newton, he had a lady with a clipboard. He had a boom operator. He had like (laughs) two, three different cameras, producer and all this. And I showed up with my camera. A, B, yeah. same thing. Yeah. Mm. They're starting to realize that it's all about the raw. Mm. It's all about people want to feel like they're there with you. Yeah. Mm. People don't want the overproduced and this and that. It's cool to get there eventually, but people don't yeah. want that from the jump. I think it also depends though on what type of athlete it is. Yeah. Because like sometimes you have a superhuman athlete. Yeah. And you're like, I don't want to see them raw. Yeah. yeah. I only want to see, you know, I want to see them doing their thing. Yeah. Like held high to yeah. this, like this standard. So it is sometimes I think a little different. Um, like we used to help Jeremy Lin with his mm. YouTube content and Jeremy's someone who Lin I think Sanity. was like, yeah. you know, he was like human, yeah. like human guy. So yeah. How so. do you fix sports media right now? Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know if there's really a fix to it. It's definitely going to take time, but creating organic content, like you said, stuff with the football players, they wear helmets all the time. Yeah. Nobody knows who they are. Yeah. Getting to know their personality, getting to know their real people and things like that. I think people are interested in watching your favorite player ball out on a Sunday. And then let's say Monday, he's posting a YouTube video, my routine, how did I do that game? Or yeah. like leading up to that, just 
showing the human element to people mm-hmm. more and mm-hmm. letting people know that they're regular people. They're just really good at yeah. their craft. I think it's exciting, yeah. at least in my eyes. I agree. I think there's a recipe that you put in, which is like connect the audience to the human mm-hmm. under the helmet and then put them right into the game plan. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. your most recent video, it's a guy being interviewed, the guy who's the one yeah. six JPZ. times. JPZ. JPZ. He's yeah. one six times the one-on-ones. You're sitting down with him. He's talking about losing his dad, mm-hmm. right? Like it's an emotional moment. You're connected with him and then boom, here he is on the field. He's in the game. I now out. care. I've never even heard of this guy. You're ruined for him now. And I'm like, oh, wow. I've never watched any bit of XFL really until now. Mm-hmm. I've never heard of this guy, but I really want him to succeed. And mm-hmm. it only took two minutes. Mm-hmm. And now every time you tune in and they play, yeah. now, now you know you you're mm-hmm. watching for now him. Now I'm going to follow him, yep. honestly, yeah. like yep. after this moment. And it's like every time the XFL now posts any content and JPZ's in it or anything like that, he always says, just chill. I don't know if you saw on I his saw jacket. That, yeah. That's like his motto. Yeah. Everyone's blowing it up in the comments. Everyone's like, oh, peasy, peasy. Yeah. So yeah. like now you have that mm-hmm. organic interaction. Now people have a story or a hook to the game. Yeah. So, he has yeah. more opportunity now mm-hmm. than a lot of players who are currently in the NFL. Playing. Yep. Right. Yep. Yeah. hundred percent. Was there, this is something we ask a lot of creators. Was there an amount of money at any point in your career where you were like, once I get that, that's enough. It always changes, man. It always changes. What was subjective. the first amount for you? Obviously, you had, I don't even know, 100 grand <laughs> at first, way back in yeah. school. And then I saw that in my bank account. I'm like, wow, this is crazy. But now I want to get to 500. Yeah. I got to 500 and then a million. I got to a million. I think my next number is like 10. So 10 million. You know, yeah. And after that, who knows? <laughs> who knows? <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's insane, like, bro. It's insane. You know, you start start playing football in college and you think about like wanting to make $10 million mm-hmm. and the path is to go to the league. Yeah. That's been one of my biggest struggles. And a lot of people ask me, Oh, why don't you play in the league? Why don't you, you know, yeah. this and that. And for a while, I just always, like I said, I want to make sure I was good make sure my family was good. Yeah. And YouTube's taking care of me immensely. Yeah. Obviously there's other factors like the freedom and the mm-hmm. time and all that. But if you look at the numbers, I probably make more money than 95% of NFL kickers doing what I do. Damn. So if I was to play in a league, one, my first year, I'm not gonna make that much money. I'm yeah. probably gonna be signed to a league minimum, which is like maybe 500K. And that's like a big pay cut for me. So, yeah. I mean, money is at not- At this point, though, it'd be a brand, it'd be like yeah. a life move. And yeah, like, no, 100%. Yeah, it, it, it's move. more than just yeah. the money at this point. And yeah. also to create so many more opportunities yeah. as well. Yeah. So, you know, it, it back then it was about the money and I always wanted to make sure I was good and things like that. But now it's- it's more of a fulfillment thing. That to listen. 10 million goal. When do you think you'll achieve that? Hmm. If everything goes according to plan, uh, two years, maybe. Damn. Yeah. Two years. How old are you? 26. Wow. Yeah. I, I gave me and my business partner, Swiv, we have like a retirement goal. And I said, by 30, I'm a, I'm a be in a comfortable enough place to where I could walk away from everything. And I have enough residual income coming in and everything coming in that I'm just taken care of and I could pick if I want to do something or if I don't want to do something and not rely so much on, dang, I got to pay my bills. And that 10 million, does that all come from sponsorships and partnerships? Oh, no, no, no. It's no. just business all around. Business all around. Business all around. Yeah. yeah. Not just YouTube. I know that the YouTube funnel don't last forever. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to take advantage while I'm getting it now, but I'm using a lot of those resources and revenue to put into other things. So. Are you comfortable from like a monetary perspective? Mm-hmm. Or are you kind of just like set or do you feel like, like business wise, you still are working, you know, month to month or. Oh, no, nah, I'm, I'm set, man. My operating costs is probably like 
a month, probably like 30, 40 K as far as payroll. That's pretty Whenever good. Whenever I host mm-hmm. one-on-ones, they yeah. probably take like 25, 30 K to put on, but with sponsorships and things, I make that money back easily yeah. and a little extra. So I think I'm good. I got a lot of money saved up again. My, my content doesn't take a lot of production and a lot yeah. of resources. It's, it's kind of raw. So I feel like I've had the opportunities to yeah. really make a good amount of change. Yeah. I feel like my, uh, my returns like 80% on my content. So that's good. Someone could do that math. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so every, yeah, yeah, they could do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's It's important as a creator to keep your overhead low, you know, like 100%. you just have to monitor that. And because, because if you ever want to make a pivot, you got to have your, you got to have your some, operating yeah. costs mm-hmm. low enough to make a pivot. Mm-hmm. 100%. Because the industry can change at any time. 100%. And, and your feelings can change at yeah. the time. You could be like, I don't want to do this anymore. No, that's true. Yeah. I'm I'm a kind of a frugal guy. I don't spend a lot of money on things. So I feel like I am set. But at the end of the day, I'm a human. I want more. I see yeah, mm-hmm, 100,000. I'm going to want 150,000 and so forth. So well, I'm glad you're open to, mm-hmm. to talk about it. that stuff. Yeah. I mean, at first I wasn't. But at the end of the day, people know YouTube is a really lucrative business if you're yeah. doing it right. So at first I was kind of uncomfortable yeah. about talking about my earnings. I remember my first time, even my parents really realized how much money I was making. Um, for some reason, I think I was switching management or something. So my YouTube checks, instead of being direct deposit into my account, I got mailed a paper check yeah. <laughs> to my mom's house. So she opens up an envelope and she's like, what is this? I'm like, wait, what? Send me a pic. And it's a picture of a check for 192 grand. <laughs> I was like, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm doing good on YouTube, mom. And she's like, what? You're making this type of money? I'm like, of course, I got to pay taxes, got to pay my employees yeah. and got yeah. bills to pay and stuff. But, but like that was a month, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's a month. Yeah. Yeah. This is fourth quarter. You know how the fourth quarter gets. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. That, Damn, that's yeah. crazy wow. though. And but they never changed their views on me. They didn't yeah, act yeah, yeah. any differently. That's always been like a deep rooted fear of mine. Once mm. people realize like mm. how much money I'm making, they'll look at me differently or like treat me differently or things like that. But my parents are solid, bro. My family's solid. They never yeah. looked any type of way, asked me for anything. Like yeah. my parents are even like, son, don't feel like you owe us anything. Like wow. it's our job to bring you into this world. And like we raised you and yeah. now we did what we had to do. Like, don't feel like you owe us anything. If you want to take care of us, great. We'll take it. But don't feel like you owe us anything. Wow. You work hard. Enjoy what you do. Damn, so, that's amazing. Man. My parents are amazing, bro. Yeah, that's, my parents they are the sound best. like great people. I love yeah. hanging out with them. Parents yeah. are the best, <laughs> man. <laughs> are those, are, what is your monthly AdSense check now? Uh, it depends. You know, it's early in the, in a year. So, you know, about a hundred grand or so. Fourth quarter. I think the most I ever saw was like 400,000. Wow. Yeah, like 380-ish for him. Wow. Round it up, you know, but yeah, I'm I'm starting to figure out though that the sponsorships can be a lot more lucrative than ad yeah. revenue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's so back and forth. Like it's, it's not consistent on the ad revenue at all. Maybe I cuss more on one video or it's like a sure. certain time of the year where, yeah. you know, so I, I don't focus so much on the ad revenue. I just try to make sure sponsorships are, you know, taken care of. And yeah. I'm getting to a point where I try to have every video sponsored. So, got it. Yeah. So you're, you have like a deep understanding of YouTube. Mm-hmm. Like when I watch your stuff, I really feel like you, you're very, you're not someone who like, likes sports and was like, I guess I'll put it on YouTube. Yeah. Like I can feel that you've been on YouTube for a long time. Yeah. It's been a lot of years now. You used to make 
Call of Duty videos on <laughs> yeah. YouTube, right? Yeah, that's kind of how I got my start, man. Back like 2012 when Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 was like a huge thing. FaZe Clan, they were like popping, doing yeah, their mm -hmm. thing, trick shotting and things like that. I always adored their content. I was like fathomed by it. And I always wanted to make my own stuff, but I never had the recording software. My parents couldn't afford it. It was like a $250 piece of software you plug into your computer then you need a computer to edit all of it. I, I just didn't have the the funds. So I just ripped people's content online and just put my own spin to it, edit it, add some music. I edited for some clans as well. And I just post them up to YouTube. Meaning and, some gaming clans? Yeah, like gaming clans, different gaming orgs. Back then, everybody had a clan. So, you know, it <laughs> so was a million phase clans. Yeah. First, really. Editing is kind of how, yeah, kind of how I fell in love with everything. It was kind of my escape. Now, I don't really touch too much editing. Right. You know, you got to scale mm -hmm. the business. But editing is like my, my deep-rooted passion. That kind of got everything started. When you were like during this era of of Call of Duty, were you were you also playing sports during this time? Oh yeah, yeah, soccer, I played right? sports my whole life. Yeah. Sports my whole life. I started at like three years old in Costa Rica, kicking a soccer ball around. Moved to America when I was seven. Started playing travel soccer uh, down in South Florida, Miramar. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar. Mm -hmm. Then moved a little more north. My parents got a house. Continued playing soccer, and uh, I don't know. My parents bought me an Xbox, so I started getting on a game like every other kid, and kind of was between both at yeah. the time. And at what point are you on camera? Like, when did you get a camera and actually show up in your own YouTube videos? Probably like 14, 15 years old. Me and my friends would do like skits and mm -hmm. comedy stuff. There was this YouTuber I'd watch at the time. His name was Kevin Edwards Jr. And just me and my friends would kind of copy those skits, upload them to Facebook, YouTube, things mm -hmm, like yeah. that. And they got some traction on Facebook. All the kids around the city and everything kind of knew us, so... I don't know. That was kind of how I started putting myself on camera. Did you see, did money come in for those kids? Nah, it was, I mean, I logged into it years later. I didn't even know I was monetized, but I logged in like years later. They were like $2 maybe. Yeah. <laughs> on yeah. And yeah. did people pay you to edit gaming videos when you were I got those? paid like a, a couple times, not too much, maybe like three times. I'd edit highlight tapes for my guys and stuff through high school and college. Mm. So, so editing was always kind of a, a, a thing in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Your own highlights too, like sports highlights? To be honest, I was a kicker, bro. I ain't had, I didn't <laughs> have that many highlights. It's just me kicking the ball repetitively. I mean, <laughs> as much as I can edit those, yeah. yeah. And was there a stigma at any time around you putting yourself out there on YouTube? To be honest, not really. I felt like that stigma came more once I got to college yeah. and I started like vlogging. Yeah. And I'd be walking around campus with a big camera in my hand and I'm, people were just looking at me funny. Sports teams and vlogging don't really mix. No, you know, not, like not the really. locker room no. culture and, and, and yeah. like putting yeah. yourself out and editing videos. Mm -hmm. And the artist in the corner yeah. <laughs> filming yeah. angles. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. It's they, funny because my teammates at first didn't know what was going on, but they yeah. started to embrace it. Even like my coaching staff at the time. At they, UCF. Yeah. They saw yeah. me walking around with a little GoPro or like my vlogging camera and things like that. They're like, oh, there goes Delahaye again filming. Delahaye is my last name. Yeah. They called mm -hmm. me Delahaye. There goes Delahaye recording again. Oh, what you recording this time? This and that. And then I remember when they fully embraced it, it was like after a bowl game we had, I record the whole experience kind of showing us getting to the hotels and the different things like that. And at the end, the coaches saw it and they're like, man, Delahaye, I ain't gonna lie, you're talented, bro. Like these are things we're gonna look back on years and years down the road. Like, wow, remember that moment. Mm -hmm. And you captured it so beautifully and so perfectly. So wow. also such a good yeah. recruiting tool. Mm -hmm. Cause I remember, I mean, you went to Colorado because of a video you saw of the lacrosse team. Mm -hmm. And then I yeah. made videos about yeah. my lacrosse team after <laughs> I graduated yeah. that people have told me that they yeah. saw and wanted to go. Yeah. 
late at night, I'd go into like the indoor facility and I'd kick field goals and just work. And a lot of people would see the content and be like, bro, like this is really inspiring. It's really motivational. And uh, it's like, I seeing you work and seeing that you're human, you miss kicks as well. You don't just post mm -hmm. the good things you're doing. Like it gives me hope. It makes me want to work hard. It makes me want to go to UCF. Like you said, it, it was kind of a recruiting tool as well. At what point did you start to understand that YouTube could become a business? Like the summer leading up to me making my decision, I saw that I was able to monetize my channel, but Google AdSense, you know how you have to link the accounts yeah. and all mm -hmm. types of stuff. It was telling me I wasn't able to for the longest mm -hmm. time. And I was like, hold on, I do have an old account. Can I log in? I deleted the account and I linked the monetization to my thing. And I remember I made a penny and I was like, bro, what is going on? Like mm -hmm. I was just doing this stuff out of love, like out of passion. And now I can make money. And then the next day I saw like seven cents. And the next day I saw like a dollar and I'm like, bro, what, what did I yeah. just do? <laughs> so that's when I kind of figured out like, okay, maybe, you know, something can come from this. I remember I was dating a girl at the time too. And she was like, why are you on this video stuff so much? Like, why are you editing videos and doing all this now? I'm like, it's my job. She's like, you're not making money. It's not your job. So the day I made a penny, just know I rubbed that shit in her face. <laughs> I was like, I made a penny. Yeah, it's a job it's my job now. Yeah. So at what point does the school mm. reach out to you about your YouTube channel? So college was interesting. My first year we had like a, a head coach who was kind of like a, like a dictator. <laughs> like he's walking down mm -hmm. the hallway. You want to turn around and go the whole opposite yeah. way. It's scary. <laughs> so none of that was going. He, 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 if he saw I was uploading any type of content, my freshman year, I didn't really post much. So then we were 0 and 8 that year. Worst team in college football. He got fired. So then we had an interim coach step in. So I saw that as my opportunity. So I do like little trick kicking videos and things like that. So I made one and put on Twitter at the time. And ironically, it, I didn't mean for this to happen, but I, the song I used was the final countdown. Mm -hmm. So the video started doing numbers, people liked it. And then he brought me into his office, the interim coach. He's like, bro, we're doing terrible right now. And you posted a kicking video <laughs> during the worst season. And the song you use is a final countdown. <laughs> are you like, oh, are man. you trying to mock us? So yeah. he made me take that video down. Oh, man. But then during that, I'm like, okay, like there's a little bit of traction here. So once they were done, they were gone. We had a new coaching staff come in that was more of a player's coach. They kind of just embraced it all. Then I started filming my stuff in indoor, me working out. I started filming me going to class, skateboarding. Like we had this tradition at UCF, which like during homecoming week, everybody would like flood the, uh, the fountain and things, just mm -hmm. different yeah, yeah, aspects yeah. of my life. And I'm posting them, they're getting a little bit of traction. Eventually I was able to monetize my channel during that period. And also me and my best friend did like skits. We brought the skits mm. back, but we did it in a way that was kind of engaging with the football theme I had going on. Mm. Wide receivers would be like, uh, quarterbacks would be like, yeah. different things of that sort. And those videos took off. Those did like millions of views. And uh, they made me a little bit of money. And then I remember I had my bowl gifts from the previous year. And at this point I'm trying to market. I'm trying to get as many followers, subscribers as I can. So I post on my Instagram, hey, I got these bowl gifts. If you wanna win them, I'm doing a giveaway. Uh, if you wanna win them, all you gotta do is screenshot this post, reshare it, subscribe to my YouTube and follow me on Instagram and I'll do a giveaway. First day I had like a thousand, two thousand reshares. And at the time that's like insane. Yeah, that's crazy. And I wake up to a phone call from our compliance office and they're like, hey man, so uh, I see you're, you're giving away your bull gear and I see you got a YouTube channel. Are you making money on this by any chance? 
And in my head, I'm like, I'm not about to snitch on myself. Like, <laughs> no, I'm not making any money. They're like, are you sure? Because just, just letting you know, if you are monetizing your channel and making money, it could put your uh, eligibility in jeopardy. And if we find out you are making money and we go through the season and we win games, then we have to forfeit those games because now we have a professional player that's getting paid on our team. Mm. So then, yeah, I was like, yeah, you know what? I, I am. You so were like, good thing we're 0-8. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was the following, nah, the following year. The right before. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I wouldn't care that year. <laughs> <laughs> ain't nothing to forfeit. So, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that was... So you said, yeah, yeah I, am, I am making money. Yeah, yeah. And what did they say? They just brought me into their office and they're like, oh, we got to take a deep dive into all your content and all your social medias and, you know, talk to the NCAA and see if there's a possibility for this to happen. And the thing that I hated is during that whole process, it was a difficult process. I've never been through anything like that before. Like, I felt like I was going through court hearings and mm. different things like that. It's just me by myself and I'm in a room with a bunch of adults and in suits mm. and... It's just scary. In that and you didn't feel like anyone was on your side. No, not at all. Yeah. Not at all. So like they're just diving through my stuff and every week it's another meeting and I'm kind of documenting this whole process. When they first reached out to me, I put up a video online and I said, uh, I forgot the title, but it was some along the lines of, do I pick my scholarship or my YouTube channel? Something like that. And like it made like national news, yeah. like ESPN picked it up. Good Morning America picked it up and all these different news outlets picked it up in a college football kicker who's forced to choose between two things he loves, his popular YouTube channel and his football team. His name is Donald Delahaye, and he says he doesn't want to give up making videos now. And I feel like that kind of helped me in my decision-making process, just seeing the amount of traction that created. And in my head, I kind of formulated a plan. Like at the end of the day, if I go down because of this, like I'm going to market the shit out of myself right mm -hmm. now. I'm going to step on the gas as hard as I can right now so that if I am ineligible at the end of the day, I do have something that I could, you know, yeah. continue with. Were you making an amount of money at that time that you felt comfortable Man. if it, if it did happen and you were deemed ineligible and you lost your scholarship? To be honest, that's a huge risk. And I probably made like three grand that whole summer, which was not a lot at all yeah. and probably no means to live because it's three grand before taxes, yeah, 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 yeah. before any bills, before any anything. But as a college football player at the time, we weren't getting no money. I probably would get like $1,600 per semester and that's like three, four months. Um, so it, I don't know, it just felt like something. And I was working I mean, for it and I could control my own, you know. Was money an issue with some of the other players too? Like, oh, yeah. was that something that was yeah. talked about? Like, we're Hell working yeah. really hard. There's Hell no yeah. opportunity for we're us to We're not getting money. nothing, yeah. And I remember too, myself, I, obviously I wasn't financially literate at the time, but my first check, so what they do, they split the checks up. You get like 800 something at the beginning of the semester, then 800 some towards the middle and the other semester. These are like stipends, right? For they're, food and housing. cost of attendance. I don't even know what that means, but... I guess they're just helping us yeah. out with like different things. We're there. So, you know, if you got any miscellaneous bills or things like that, food, because yeah. they'd feed us and stuff. Yeah, so yeah. it wasn't like it was to pay for housing and food. But yeah. I remember my first check, $860. I went to the Apple store, blew that shit on the iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> the, whole, the whole check, bro. <laughs> iPhone was probably like 840 bucks. Yeah. My whole 860 gone. <laughs> so after that, I kind of realized after talking to my mom too, I was like, oh, I got to save these checks. Yeah. So, but yeah, we, I mean, we didn't really make any money like that at the time. And UCF wasn't like a power five school or like a huge program at the time either. So we weren't really much coming into the athletes at the time. Talk me through that decision of. It was uh, tough, man. Um, 
I don't know. I, I feel like I wouldn't say it was one of the darkest points in my life, but one of the most confusing points in my life, because I'm doing something that's positive. I'm doing something that people are like proud of me for and commending me for and inspired mm. by. But in this big, giant mammoth's eyes, it's like a bad thing because they don't get to touch any of the money as well. And what I hated the most is like the compliance officers made it made me feel like this is all going to work out. This mm. is all going to be great. Like we're talking to the NCAA. They seem like they're figuring out a solution. They're figuring things out. Like every week, it's like a new meeting, new back and forth, new investigation, new this, new that. And just, I don't know, it's frustrating. It's kind of crazy that like at that era, college athletes were giving so much to the school. Mm -hmm. Given their yeah. livelihood, their Given, health, mm -hmm. risking so many things and making the school hundreds of millions, making the NCAA yeah. billions. And you're actually adding to the support by marketing the school, mm -hmm. right? Now more people are like, oh, UCF seems fun. Maybe I'll go there. Yeah. Even non-football players, mm -hmm. right? Like just students can I can't watch tell that. you how many comments I had that said that. Like, mm -hmm. bro, UCF looks lit, man. I can't wait to go here. Yeah. yeah. You're like showing it in a positive light, mm -hmm. helping the bottom line of the university. Yeah. What a confusing I know. Scenario. I feel like also what it was too was I was a kicker. And at the time I was a kickoff specialist trying to compete for the field goal kicking job. So I really didn't matter that much mm. to the team. You could always find a guy to kick the ball off. Maybe if I was a quarterback or something, they yeah. would have made mm. something work. But at the end of the day, I didn't matter. I was just a random mm. kid kicking the ball. So, yeah. Um, the process was tough, man. There was a lot of nights that I cried. There was a lot of nights that I called friends, called family members, and just to get their advice and hear their opinions on things. And But at the end of the day, my gut just told me, like, you're doing the right thing. Just go with your gut, go with your heart, go with your gut. And, you know, things played out. <laughs> what did your parents think when you finally made that decision? Because putting me, myself yeah. in your shoes, like <laughs> if I had a full scholarship yeah. to go to school and then I told my parents back then, <laughs> I'm actually going to pursue my YouTube leave, career yeah. and forgo the scholarship. Yeah. My parents would be like, what's a YouTube career? <laughs> yeah. To be honest, man, my parents, I love them to death. They're the best humans on the planet. They're supportive no matter what. And I will never forget these words. They told me, they said, hey, son, no matter what, whether the, you pick YouTube or you pick your scholarship, you're still going to be our you're still going to be our son. And we're still going to love you to death and we're still going to support you. So whatever you pick, as long as it makes you happy and it's what you want to do, we're going to support you. So my parents, brother, amazing. I don't know where I'd be without them. They, they always supported me. Wow, that's yeah. amazing. And did you feel, how, how did you make that decision? Was it like public, like a public announcement? Was it like, how, like, so how? it was, it was weird. Cause like I said, it was a back and forth for like six weeks going yeah. in and out of meetings and they're like, Oh, hold on. Just, and it, there even came to a point where they told me, Hey, can you stop posting mm. that way? The NCAA could see things, but I'm like, no. Cause if you guys kick me out, like yeah. it's just going to stop my bread. I ain't going to make nothing. So, yeah. um, after the six weeks, I remember the final meeting, they called me into the compliance office and it was athletic director at the time and the compliance lady that was helping me with this whole process. And they sat me down and kind of, they were like, oh, we're just going to get straight to it. The NCAA said, you either have to pick your scholarship and uh, delete your channel, donate all the money back and, you know, get rid of all your social footprint or you have to, you know, basically just hit the road, forfeit your eligibility. Uh, keep doing your YouTube thing, keep making your money, whatever, whatever, but you have to make a choice right now before you leave this office. I'm like, damn, I wasn't expecting, <laughs> I wasn't, I didn't know it was like coming up that quick. So just, I feel like the anger in me as well, cause I thought things were gonna be good yeah. and, and there was gonna be opportunity for me to do both. 
I was like, bro, you know what? Y'all could keep my scholarship. And I just walked out the room. Wow. Yeah. And like busted in tears. And like, I, I didn't realize the magnitude of the decision I made in the time. It was more of like an impulsive thing. Obviously it's what I wanted, but yeah. it was like a bro, just, just have it. I'm out of here. And then before I even got to my car, my phone lights up with a tweet. UCF kicker Donald Delahaye deemed ineligible. Oh my gosh. Because of his YouTube channel. So it's like they were ready. They just wanted wow. to press the trigger. So I don't So they yeah. wanted to kind of send a message to the kind of, rest yeah. of seems like athletes. it. Yeah. Seems like it. Yeah. So with that tweet getting sent, was there another wave of like media? No, there was a lot. The following day, like and they told me I have two days to get out of my apartment and all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, you got two days to pack your things and leave. Ruthless, we got other man. people coming in. That's ruthless. So yeah, I mean, I had interviews, Good Morning America. I had interviews like ESPN. Like my name was in Times Square, Donald Delahaye and eligible this and that because of YouTube. There was a huge influx of, of media and just, I don't know, it's, it's a blessing because that definitely helped me. I gained like 100,000 subscribers. Wow. Like it it's kind of just blew me up. And I knew now it was on me. I'm getting all the things I needed to. I'm getting all the wave, all the momentum. Now I just got to keep making great content. So. And what happened next? Like what was the next couple months like? Did it take <laughs> off immediately? Like Man. So like I told you, I was doing a lot of this stuff with my best friend. Yeah. At the time he was dating a girl. He had a dog and he lived in a one bedroom apartment. Not the nicest. You know, we're college students. Yeah. One bedroom apartment. And I told myself, I'm not going back home. I'm not going back to my mom and dad's house. I'm not letting these people, not my parents, but just mm -hmm. the outside world have the, just that feeling of, yes, he's not doing well. So I slept on my best friend's couch for like the next five, six months of my life. Um, basically homeless. He took me in. We literally grinded so much. We probably made like three videos a day. We'd wake up, figure out what we could do, go film it, run around the hot ass sun, come home, edit, post it, figure out what we're doing the next day. And it was just that constant cycle for months and months and months. And obviously things started growing. I think my first month or two after I left, I saw like 5K and 7K and so forth. Wow. But it just didn't feel real. Like yeah. it, it was like, ah, is this actually going to hit my bank account? Yeah. Like, is this... Yeah. You know, I feel like I'm living life on a cheat code. So I, we hung out and kind of stayed in that spot for like five, six months. And then eventually we're like, you know what? We doing all right for ourselves now. It's going to stay consistent. So let's get a nicer place. Let's move mm -hmm. into a two bedroom mm -hmm. apartment and so forth. But So your best friend was kind of like your business partner. Yeah, that's, that was my guy. Yeah. Still my guy. That's my dog still, but he's doing his own ventures. I'm yeah. doing my own thing. So. Did you get a brand deal at some point or was there some moment where it really hit in yeah. financially? I think my first brand deal, it was, uh, what's the pizza company? It's, you keep it in the freezer. DiGiorno? DiGiorno, mm -hmm. yeah. And they had me do like a little obstacle course with like DiGiorno pizza boxes and stuff. And they paid me like 2,500 for a video and like a tweet or something like that. I was like, what the heck? These people pay me that much money just <laughs> to be featured in one of my videos? Yeah. yeah. So when I saw that, I was like, okay, like maybe I, I made the right choice, mm. you know? And it's funny cause I had all my teammates too that were back at UCF like, bro, like we so proud of you, bro. Like we knew cool. you was gonna do mm -hmm. things. Like during the whole process, they were super supportive. They were yeah. like, Dela, hey, get your bread, bro. Yeah. Get your money, bro, get yours. Like they ain't giving us shit. So like, go get yours, bro. So they were super supportive. Um, even after the fact, they were super supportive. And uh, I don't know, things just started rolling. So when you're making those videos, after you lose your eligibility, mm. you're getting some brand deals, mm. you're continuing to earn from AdSense. Was it all an upward trajectory from that point on or had yeah. you hit 
Any lulls? It's it's consistently been going up. I wouldn't say like a spike. But yeah. It's the trajectory has been up the whole time. And um, your, my f- your faith in YouTube, your enjoyment of the career hasn't faltered? No, I mean, obviously it's it's not as exciting as it first was, mm-hmm. but I still love what I do. I still wouldn't trade this job for anything. Um, I'm passionate about it every day. Now my job's just a little bit easier. And it, actually it's easier and a little bit harder now because I've done so many things that now I have to start getting creative. Now, even like, for example, the one-on-ones, it takes money, time, a lot of logistics mm. to make something happen. So it's it went from just going to the field, cutting on the camera, rolling, mm-hmm. to now there's a lot of moving parts. I don't know if you guys checked out one of my most recent videos. Uh, I went to the field and I kind of told people I want to get back to kicking one day. And I'm kind of working towards that. And that video felt like one of my old, one of my old school, yeah, like yeah. authentic yeah, videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just pull up to the field, cameras put rolling, yeah. put on cleats, and just film. Yeah. There's no type of planning. There's no type of nothing. Yeah. So uh, I feel like that kind of just reinvigorated me a little bit more as yeah. well. But I still love my job. I'm still very grateful and fortunate to be where I am. You mentioned the the kind of revolving door of of YouTube content when you're first starting out. Mm-hmm. What's amazing is like some of that old content still. Yeah. <laughs> picks up today, yeah. right? Yeah. Like you you now have this like this catalog yeah. of, of content. Mm-hmm. Um, and you actually did a deal with spotter. spotter yeah. My can, guys, can you explain how those deals work? I mean, we, mm-hmm. we know how they work, but I think yeah. a lot of creators have, have been curious about this, like a catalog, you know, licensing yeah. deal where essentially you, you, so basically uh spotter will license a certain catalog of your content, whether it's your whole back catalog. I've done three deals with them now. So, oh, wow. Yeah, so it's they just licensed like the last year of my content, and I think it's for about five years or so. Um, and they give you a nice chunk of change, <laughs> just <laughs> dropped into your account. And uh, you're no longer monetizing those videos on your end, but yeah. they are collecting money on their end. Right. So and it's the, kind of an investment for the them. The license is for the revenue. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. yes. It's not, they don't own the content. Yeah. yeah. They own the revenue that the content yeah. makes on my channel. And for you, what is the money done for you? Man, it's, it's helped a lot. To be honest, a lot of my content isn't so produced. Like it's not like a Mr. Beast video. I need 500,000, make something happen. Yeah. So it's not, all of it hasn't gone towards content, but definitely towards my team. My team is amazing. They've helped me create the beast that we watch every day now. Mm-hmm. Definitely have paid them a little bit more, upgrade their paychecks and things like that. I've invested in some property, um, retired my mom, oh, wow. helped her pay her house. Um, Damn, that no, must have been. Yeah, nah, that was best feeling ever. My dad's up next. He just hard headed. I told him he could have been retired. <laughs> but he's like, you know what? I love my job, son. I don't yeah. want. Yeah. I think he'll just be too bored at home. Yeah, he doesn't yeah, do yeah, much. Yeah. So. That's also understandable. But yeah. Maybe yeah. starts a YouTube channel. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So I've helped helped yeah. my family. Um, I bought some land in Costa Rica Dope. with that. You know, my my ultimate retirement plan, build a house there. And when I want to just fall off the face of earth, I'm just disappeared to the house. Yeah. yeah. What do your parents think now in a moment like that? Man, I I don't even know. They're just so proud, man. It's funny because my parents are like nonchalant. They're not like, they're like, oh my God, yes. Yeah, like yeah. they don't, you know, over celebrate anything, but I just know they're proud. They call me all the time, extremely happy. And like, 
I don't know. They just thank me for being able to help them. And, yeah. you know, my mom, bro, she works so hard, bro. So hard. She worked at Publix. I don't know if you guys know what Publix <laughs> yeah. is. A little grocery store. And she'd work hours. She'd wake up at 430 in the morning, clock into work, get home at like five, still have the energy to cook dinner for us, clean up and do all these things, bro. Like <laughs> my mom's an amazing woman. My dad works just as hard as well, but... You know, I just wanted my mom to get off her feet. She would come home, complain her back's hurting, her feet are hurting. She hates that she has to show up to this job. Like whenever you brought up the job, her whole mood would change. So mm. I was like, man, it's time. Ma, you you don't got to do this no more. So, man. yeah. What I love about your career is that you now have a job that just didn't exist before. I know, yeah. And to get there, you have to trust your gut mm-hmm. so much at so many moments when Again, you don't have anchor points for I could have done that or I yeah. should have done that or maybe I'll follow what that guy's You're doing. You're just blindly walking. Man, yeah. yeah. And I just, that's what I take from your journey is that you just followed your gut and it's I appreciate now that. Do you feel like your situation, like to me, it feels like your situation was so loud. Yeah. Like I remember it mm-hmm. very vividly. Yeah. Um, that it had, like, do you feel like it had impact on where NIL went. I I feel like it was very pivotal for sure. Obviously there's other situations like Johnny Manziel and the Reggie Mm -hmm. Bushes of the world and things like that. But I do feel like mine was a modern day, like awakening. Social media is so huge. Social media is taking over the Mm -hmm. world. Like everyone depends on social media, even these colleges that are trying to knock it down. So the fact that I had to get my eligibility up because of social media and the fact that I was so successful after, I feel like definitely played into their decision-making. Yeah. Obviously, today the rules are different for yeah. college athletes, mm-hmm. right? I and just I, saw, I don't even know what these are based on, but a group released and ESPN posted about it, like NIL valuations. Yeah, Did crazy. you see this? <laughs> yeah. Like they're, they're arch manning, like three, maybe 4 million. Something yeah. Like that. And, um, uh, Bronny at mm-hmm. 7.2 million, Livy Dunn at 3.4 million. Travis Hunter was on there. Travis, Travis Hunter, Hunter yeah, at 1.7 yeah. yeah. million. Yeah. Um, those valuations are kind of based on their following, their brand, like mm-hmm. where they're going to school, their abilities. Um, but what's amazing is it's come a long way from like, hey, here's $860 to cover your expense. <laughs> and also, <laughs> hey, make a decision on if you're going to yeah. have your YouTube channel or play on the team to yeah. now like, there's probably colleges being like, come here because you'll yeah. get better brand deals. No, 100%. You know? hundred percent, hundred percent. A lot of guys like are getting paid just to sign. A lot of quarterbacks, I don't know if you heard, but the Tennessee guy got like $8 million just to commit and go to their school. That's crazy. So, How does that happen? Is that from um, alumni groups? Booster groups. Booster groups, yeah. That's crazy because like, you know how many 30 for 30s I've watched about on like- boosters Yeah, on boosters. Yeah. How like, illegal it is. Yeah. It's line money. On, mm-hmm. Yeah, the you thing might, is, the you, like the at that time. The thing is they've yeah. always been doing it and now it's allowed. Now, <laughs> now they yes. can do it on top of the table. Right. Yeah, and not only- can they do it? But like brands can mm-hmm. get involved. And so now there's, there's a totally different landscape. Yeah. Now you want your athletes to have yeah. YouTube channels. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if this is true, but I would assume that some colleges are teaching kids how to build their brands mm-hmm. now. Right. Like mm-hmm. teaching athletes, how do like, how do you do what Livy Dunn did on yeah. TikTok or. Yeah. Obviously they, they probably don't know much about how to do it. Sure. You need guys like us that have actually built brands and have created content. And that's probably one business I do want to get into, just kind of um, consulting for a lot of these schools, talking to them, mm. doing little presentations and teaching guys how to make content. Yeah. Um, I've thought about creating an agency, but, you know, that's a lot of work. I'm not a lawyer. So, um, yeah, it's just crazy how NIL is a thing now and they could get paid. I feel like I, 
I crawled so that my fellow student athletes could walk and run. You know? Yeah. What's your advice for these kids who are now like freshmen in college yeah. getting $8 million? Like, or, or even if One, you're- get a financial advisor, yeah. <laughs> a finance, <laughs> finance person in your corner. Um, to create value again, mm. a lot of these kids, like even to this day, come up to me like, bro, like I want to get an NIL deal. I want to, you know, I want to be in content. I want to do this and that. And you check out their Instagram and it's just like, them posing at the gas station or like <laughs> yeah, just like holding the just product. random yeah. stuff yeah. Yeah. not even like just on their pages and like you you're not creating any sort of value mm. you're not creating anything that a brand is going to see like wow this is compelling i want to put my money behind it yeah. you're just taking pics of yourself in an outfit or whatever yeah, it may yeah. be like create it's, something let the world see your personality bring some type of value whether you're teaching whether you're entertaining whether you're giving advice whether you're doing yeah. something Bring something to the table. Yeah, that's like a misunderstanding of, of fame or mm -hmm. of like, what, like a very superficial understanding of fame mm -hmm. where you see someone who's famous who can post a picture of their outfit mm -hmm. and people are like, you think you could do that. And you think you <laughs> could do that. I mean, I, I remember when we first started on YouTube, like, uh, especially with this channel, we started filming our daily lives because mm -hmm. we were like, oh, vloggers like yeah. Casey Neistat or, or, you know, other people are filming their daily life and people love that. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Here's it's my daily, here's nice. me going to the grocery and store. And then you find yourself at the laundromat <laughs> yeah. vlogging and you're like, this is not aspirational. <laughs> yeah. Not yeah. the same. <laughs> yeah. And no it's one cares about this. Yeah. And yeah. then you have to back into like, oh, I'm asking people to invest time mm -hmm. in this piece of content. And it's, exponentially more competitive today. Yeah. So now everyone's making investment decisions with their time. Yeah. You have to think about it like that. So why would I invest with you? Mm -hmm. what, what are you giving me back? Exactly. And that is, I think the space where everyone has to start of like, who's the audience and what are they getting in return for the time that they're spending yeah. with me? That's like the fundamentals of yeah. being a creator. And I think sometimes that can get lost. Um, and sometimes that, that return is entertainment, yeah. laughter, <laughs> yeah. escape, yeah. right? Yeah. But you have to, you have to be really clear on what you're giving people back. Yeah. I think advice I'd give for sure is get a financial, someone that could help you, someone that knows more than you do. Cause that's a lot of money coming in for yeah. a young person to create some, some sort of value. Like I said, teach, entertain something. Three, do not lose sight on your sport. <laughs> Because a lot of these people, mm -hmm. their attention shifts. Oh, I want to make TikToks now. Oh, I want to do this. I want to do that. But they're not doing what they have to on the field. And th obviously, number four, continue doing your thing in the classroom. Because uh, for me, I feel like I was getting a marketing degree and I learned a lot of things from marketing. Uh, I know school is not the most fun thing. Well, for most, I don't know if you guys love school, but I loved it. Yeah. He loved it. I was terrible yeah. at it. Yeah. I was I, bad at school, man. I, I didn't love school and I feel like they teach with a lot of fluff and yeah. you dig through all that fluff, you find gems that you can yeah. use. So I found a lot of gems in my marketing classes and mm -hmm. my sports business classes that yeah. I later applied to my life. So definitely continue doing your schooling, learn what you can, yeah. get a financial guy, ball out on the field and create value. What if you don't have an opportunity on the field? Like what if you're, Jeez. what if you're deep on the depth <laughs> chart, you know, and you're kind of yeah. like, I'm not going to get on the field, yeah. but I mean, I'm, I'm here. Even that's an opportunity. Though. I think that's yeah. a huge there was, opportunity. Um, there was a basketball player at Ohio State, I think, who like never touched the court. Yeah. And he ended up writing for, I think it was The Ringer mm. for Bill Simmons. And he mm. grew like wow. a serious audience and following. Uh, I don't know if it was during, it probably wasn't during, yeah. I guess, but it was after about that experience of like well. never <laughs> playing. Yeah. I mean, you could definitely spin things off. Like I said, I was a kickoff guy that, you know, I didn't, I probably kicked one field goal in my whole entire college career. So 
I can relate to that Ohio State <laughs> yeah. guy, you yeah. know, yeah. like I, I had to put in the work and I was putting the work at practice. Yeah. Obviously I never really got my opportunity, but yeah, you know, that doesn't matter to the audience if you're compelling enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. At the end of the day, people saw me putting in work and do my thing and they kind of were bought into my story mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they were rooting for me to finally you know, yeah. get that playing time or whatever yeah, it may be. Totally. So I also think your sport doesn't always have to be what your content is about. Yeah. hundred percent. Samir and I used to work more with athletes. We would always ask them, what would you want to talk about mm -hmm. if you weren't getting paid? What right? are you passionate about? What are you yeah. passionate yeah. about? And it yeah. doesn't have to be your sport because yeah. if you're going to dedicate a long period of time to one, enjoying this and two, building a business, yeah. <laughs> you better actually care yeah. about what you're talking about on yeah. a daily basis. 100%. Is there a student athlete right now who's also a creator that you think is interesting or doing something unique? I love Travis Hunter. It's like my little brother, so it's kind of a little biased, but he's at Colorado with Deion Sanders. You know, Deion mm -hmm. and his team are doing some amazing things over there. Just the access that they're bringing and just the perspective they're giving to everyone, you know. It's, it's just crazy. I love Travis Hunter. His stuff's good. Um, Livy Dunn's interesting as well. She's always on my TikTok page. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, she has a massive following. It's crazy. Did you see the the controversy she got into with the AI? No, I She did a that. brand deal for this AI tool that helps you like finish your essay. Oh, or, like, no finish way. Your oh, yeah, no yeah, way. Yeah. And she, uh, <laughs> she put... Like the, the the way she did the brand deal was kind of like, is it midnight and you haven't done your essay yet? Uh, so <laughs> Every college student is cheating. like, yeah, yeah. it yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. And That's so crazy. The, the college had to put out, LSU had to put out a statement about it. Wow. And I think like it's the wild west right now mm -hmm. of this, you know, like there's all kinds of deals. People were taking deals. I remember yeah. when it first was a thing, people were signing the most random deals. Yes. Like, yes. Like pizza stores and just random mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah. They'll do whatever they can <laughs> for a check. hardware yeah. store. Yeah. 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 So I'm, I'm glad it's kind of fizzled out a yeah. little bit. It's still crazy, yeah. but you know, now people are starting to figure out direction. I guess now the colleges are implementing programs and connecting these kids to yeah, people yeah, that yeah. can help them navigate mm -hmm. that world. Yeah. But still you, it's, it's tough, man. I love the idea of the local brand deal. Yeah. yeah. Cause that wasn't yeah. really a thing. Yeah. I would have loved to do a local brand yeah, deal. Yeah. 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 Celebrity. There's in, this in football player. Town. His first name is the coldest and he got a, oh, uh, I saw that. Air yes. conditioning. Yeah, air conditioning. Yeah. <laughs> that was a great commercial. Yeah. That was smart. Yeah. Even the Popeye's kid. You remember he was famous off the little meme back in the days. Now he plays football he yeah. just got to, it's, it's crazy, bro, the opportunities. Do you ever hear from the UCF people? Man, I, it's, it's, it's funny because my first few years after I left, they were like my sworn enemy. <laughs> I yeah, hated yeah, yeah, UCF yeah. with everything in me. Like, Didn't they like kick you off campus? Bro, time? yeah, I was, yeah. I was about to bring that up. I went, while we were there, while I was there playing, our coach's motto was always, you're a night, now you're a night forever. You could come back, train, our doors are open for you. So it's like, okay, cool. So after I get kicked out, I come back like a year and a half later. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna bring my camera and I'm gonna go to the indoor and I'm gonna train. So I'm in there training, working out. And I see like this uh, guy, I don't even know what his job was at UCF at the time. And he's walking in, kind of stops, look me at the side of his eye. Then he pulls his phone out of his pocket and gets on the phone and walks out. And like 15 minutes later, like six cops walk in. And they're like, oh, um, you're not supposed to be here. I'm like, what do you mean? Like our coach says it's an open door for former players. They're like, nah, we just had a trespassing call on you. Someone called us wow. and they want us to escort you off the property. So they basically trespassed me that day because wow. I was in mm -hmm. there training. So ever since that moment, I was like, you know what? F you guys. I don't want nothing to do with y'all. I know you guys are like my old school and whatever, but I don't. If that's how you guys are going to treat me, then I don't want to be a part of things. Then, you know, I matured a little bit, grew up. I don't really hate anything or anyone. So I was like, you know what? Let me give these guys another opportunity. 
went back to some of their games and they had really open hands for me and open mm. arms. Oh, and that's cool. Accepted me. And it's funny because I was up in a suite watching one of the games and one of the alumni is like tries to fight me in there. What? Why? He's like, you're an asshole. You left the school high and dry and you this. And I'm like, bro, what is wrong with you? <laughs> so it, it scored the guy out. Like he, he was kind of like, but he was like stayed, angry. We, we could have been better. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> he just, I don't, I really don't know. I think it was just jealousy. I don't yeah, know what it was. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm but sure was, it's, he was angry about that again, took it with a grain of salt, moved on with my life. But they actually asked me to come back and speak and teach them about NIL, which is very ironic. Wow. That's yeah. cool, man. That's a full circle moment. Yeah. Full very circle. ironic. Are you going to do it? I ain't going to lie. I didn't do it. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do it. Nah. <laughs> it was a, uh, it was a new coaching staff. Gus Malzahn. He came from Auburn. Yeah. yeah. Got the job there. They asked me to speak. Eventually I want to get into it, but I didn't do it because I feel like I wasn't prepared. Yeah. Yeah. I, ha I don't really have like, well, at the time I didn't really have none yeah. of my methods or like anything to teach written down. Mm, yeah. So I've worked on kind of yeah. a presentation, but at the time I, I wasn't ready. So maybe eventually. Yeah. yeah. No, 100%. 100%. I, I really appreciate that about you. I think like, you know, none of this is just by chance. Yeah. You know, like I think you are a real entrepreneur, strategist, someone that. who's like, takes things like very seriously. If yes. I'm going to do something, I'm going to come prepared. Mm -hmm. You know, again, I'm not just going to wing it, man. I'll, I winged it for a lot of years. <laughs> it's not yeah. the right thing to do. I'll never forget being at that summit with you and like, you know, you're, you're Pixar guy, uh, Matthew Lund from Pixar yeah. speaking, you're taking notes oh, and yeah. you're like, how can I apply this? Mm -hmm. You know, and that, that is, I think someone who's willing to absorb things like that's, that's how you evolve 100% with the industry. You're with willing the to put your ego down. Cause I could have easily been like, I don't need this. Like, right. Totally. I have my millions of followers, millions of views. Like, what yeah. am I coming here for? But once you humble yourself and realize there's always room to grow and there's always room to learn and you could always be better then your, your ceiling is endless. Yeah. Mm. It's a good place to stop. Yeah. 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 Appreciate y'all. Well, yeah, this was amazing. You, I don't do a lot of podcasts, but yeah. this was dope. It was smooth, man. I Thank appreciate y'all so much. Appreciate it. My guy. Thanks, Thanks for coming Thank y'all. No, anytime, anytime. Bro.